0: Okay, Second Chronicles 26, starting in verse 16. This is God's holy word. But when he became strong, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly, and he was unfaithful to the Lord his God. This is speaking of King Uzziah. For he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense, then Azariah the priest entered after him, and with him 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men. They opposed Uzziah the king and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful and will have no honor From the Lord. But Uzziah, with a censer in his hand for burning incense, was enraged. And while he was enraged with the priests, the leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord, beside the altar of incense. Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous on his forehead, and they hurried him out of there and he himself also hastened to get out because the Lord had smitten him. King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death, and he lived in a separate house, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah, first to last, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos. Has written. So Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the field of the grave which belonged to the kings. For they said, He is a leper. And Jotham, his son, became king in his place. And let's turn to um, Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 23. This is page 933, starting at page 933. 934 and this is a long section so we're not going to do the entire thing, we're going to do a little bit more than maybe the first third chapter 23 section 3 civil magistrates may not assume to themselves the administration of the word and sacraments or the power of the keys of the kingdom of heaven or, in the least, interfere in matters of faith. Yet, as nursing fathers, it is the duty of civil magistrates to protect the church of our common Lord without giving the preference to any denomination of Christians above the rest in such a manner that all ecclesiastical persons, whatever, shall enjoy the full, free, and and unquestioned liberty of discharging every part of their sacred functions without violence or danger. Let's pray. Oh, blessed Lord, we ask that you would help us to understand this passage of Scripture, that you would help us not to be arrogant and proud like King Uzziah, but we pray, oh Father, that you would help us to be humble, humble servants of you, oh Lord that you would bless your church and even bless uh, the civil magistrates, the rulers that you have set over us and help each, Lord, in their respective manner to honor and glorify you in all that they do and not to interfere, Lord, especially that the the governors and rulers of our nation and our state would not interfere with, with your church, but, Lord, to be a help unto them and a protector of your church. For we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so in this uh, very sad historical account, you actually have something that's rather amazing. Um, a pr- very proud man thinks that he deserves to do whatever he wants uh, in the aspect of uh, the church. Um, and it's this foolish Uzziah upholds what's written here in Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 23, section 3, when it says civil magistrates, that's secular rulers or government officials, may not assume to themselves the administration of the work and sacraments. Now you might ask yourself, was it not enough honor to be considered the king of Israel? Did he not have enough power what was going on. It's not, we're not exactly sure what was going on in his mind of why he did what he did. But scripture does tell us um, that he um, was very upset that when he was challenged by Azariah and the other 80 priests. And listen, look at what they told him. It's not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests to carry out the temple duties. Verse 18. And these priests were rather bold, weren't they? I guess because he had 80 of them, plus another, uh, Azariah. Um, And they said, get out of the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful and will have no honor from the Lord. Maybe the reason they had 80 of them was because probably maybe the king had some of his guard with him. I can't imagine a king going anywhere without some of his guard. But how were they going to manage? They could be rather bold because there were 80 priests 81 priests there um, who confronted the king. And they had a just cause to confront him because he was doing something that was not right. And what was his response? Did he humble himself? Did he respond with humility and say, you know, I'm sorry, and I was wrong, and I repent? No. The, he had this anger, and he was in, it says, he was enraged with the priests, according to verse 19. And what's the source of his anger? It goes back to the beginning of this section, starting in verse 16. It says, But when he became strong, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly and he was unfaithful to the, to the Lord his God, for he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. That's the cause. That's the problem It says he became strong. It doesn't say he became proud, but obviously that's what happened. He, Well, yeah, I'm sorry. It It does say his heart was so proud because of his strength. Maybe he was successful. Maybe he was, in comparison to other kings, maybe he was allotting to himself a greater authority and a greater following in his rule. He consolidated his rule, some might say, and because he was strong in his, in his rule as king, he thought that he deserved to maybe exercise more power of some sort. Was it to gain power? Was it to gain respect? Maybe he wanted people to esteem him in the religious community because he was a holy king offering incense on the altar. We don't know exactly. But he thought that he deserved something that wasn't his to take or to do. So then he became enraged with the priests who confronted him. You can imagine what he might say. How dare you tell me what I can and cannot do? Don't you see I have a crown on my head? I could do what I want. I'm the king of Judah. Well, God showed him. <laughs> God inflicted him with leprosy and he was stricken with leprosy until the day he died. And what's, what's a sad judgment is that He could have gone into the temple for worship but because of his leprosy he was kept from the temple for worship for the rest of his life because he was declared unclean. He had to be separated from the rest of the people and he could not even rule because of his leprosy. His son had to rule in his stead. Now, what does this have to do with the confession? This is an illustration of... God's judgment for someone who takes upon the authority of the church when it's not their place. Perhaps there are some modern men and women in the civil office of government that think uh, they have a right to assume to themselves, as it says here in the language of the Confession, government officials who think to themselves that they have a right to assume the administration of the word and sacraments or the power of the keys of the kingdom of heaven or in the least to interfere in matters of faith. Now, what, it, what does it mean for a ruler to have the keys of the power, uh, the, the keys of the kingdom of heaven? That's a, church of, that's a government official trying to dictate to the church who does and does not belong to the church. Who should or should not be allowed to take the Lord's Supper? That's not for the... That's not for the government to decide. That's for the church to decide. Um, And regarding the interference in matters of faith, I I have a section here from a a Newsweek article uh, dated um, in 2021. And it says here that a 71-year-old pastor of North London Church was arrested on April 23rd, that's of 2021, under the kingdom of under the United Kingdom uh, Public Order Act, for allegedly making homophobic comments during a public sermon. Now, he was arrested. I even saw a video of his arrest. And uh, the pastor defended himself, saying, I wasn't making any homophobic comments. I was just defining marriage as a relationship between a man and a woman. I was only saying what the Bible says. I wasn't wanting to hurt anyone or cause offense. I was doing what my job description says, which is to preach the gospel in open air as well as in the church building. Well, I would say his arrest was clearly the magistrate or the governor's uh, interfering in the matters of faith. Because... Believe me, there are a lot of other passages of Scripture that he could have read that would have been a lot more, um, you could say, a lot more anti-homosexual than what he said. But to say and to testify that marriage is between a man, one man and one woman, is something that's really on the, I would say it's on the really on the tame, the tame uh, perspective of things. Now, I would, I was doing reading some comments on this as well about what people think of this and even people who would claim to be non-religious or opposed to this this arrest they say I don't agree with I'm not a religious person but I think this is totalitarianism that someone who holds to a particular religion can't even talk about what their what their holy book says now if you have uh, the ability to vote I think you should vote as a Christian and try to vote in such a way where you might vote for those who promote freedom rather than uh, such bills or laws such as anti-hate speech. There are some who would like to enact uh, anti-hate speech, and that would include disallowing people to preach against homosexuality. And there was some who had made some efforts in that. And I I, I did read that there were some uh, laws uh, enacted in California regarding that aspect. And there definitely are laws in Canada regarding this. Now, it is possible in some years to come, if things became worse and then laws were enacted regarding this, that it became a hate speech crime For me to talk about homosexuality as sin, which is basically for me to preach Romans 1. What does Romans 1, 26 through 28 say? It talks about homosexuality as being unnatural. It talks about God giving up such persons over to a depraved mind. And if I preached on that text, it could be possible that I could go to jail. Uh, Pastor Bennett touched on this in my exams when he would give me these regular practice exams he'd ask me well Kevin define what is marriage well marriage is a covenant bond between one man and one woman as instituted by God that's a, that's a good answer for it and then the next question he asked me was this are you willing to go to jail for that uh, yes because I mean what, 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 what am I to do am I, am I to not teach what this bible says I'm called by God to teach what this Bible says. So, I don't know, if, uh, if that ever came into being, God forbid it does not come into being, but if it did come into, the, into play where I had to serve time in jail, I would like the church to help out my family and take care of my wife and kids. Good, good. Section 3. Section 3 goes on to say, Section 3 goes on to say that civil magistrates are rulers as they exercise this authority they are yet as nursing fathers it is their duty of the civil magistrates to protect the church of our common Lord without giving the preference to any denomination of Christians above the rest. Maybe you're not familiar with that but what's the notion of a civil ruler or a prince or a governor being as a nursing father to the church? Let's look at Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49, starting in verse 22. Isaiah forty-nine twenty-two. Thus says the Lord God, Behold... I will lift up my hand to the nations and set up my standard to the peoples and they will bring your sons in their bosom and your daughters will be carried on their shoulders. Kings will be your guardians and their princesses, your nurses. They will bow down to you with their faces to the earth and lick the dust of your feet and you will know that I am the Lord Those who hopefully wait for me will not be put to shame. Uh, That's a prophecy, and I believe most scholars would say that that has been in part fulfilled through the work of Christ. There have been Christian nations. There have been rulers who promoted the work of godliness. And I believe, if you, look at, if you look back at the Confession of Faith, um, this particular passage does not allow for what we would call an absolute separation of church and state. Um, people who want to say that there needs to be an absolute separation of church and state, I believe, don't have much of a scriptural or a confessional standing as far as this, this confession goes. That the church is to be protected by the magistrate is, is given here in Isaiah forty nine. Now let's just say, um, let's just say, someone tries to break in this church because they hate Christians and they want to harm Christians. I believe if we had Pineville police or maybe the, the Rapids Parish Sheriff's Department, uh, they would be willing to to give their lives in defense of the people of this church, as they would any other group where somebody would try to go in and cause harm. I don't think it's necessarily particularly, oh, it's a church, we're going to defend it. But I do believe that the police of our community would defend this church with their lives. And you know that's, and that's a way that you could say that they're uh, exercising what we would find here in Isaiah 49. Section um, 3 goes on to say, what sort of defense is to be given and what sort of freedom is to be given. It says, in such a manner, defense is to be given in such a manner that all ecclesiastical persons whatsoever shall enjoy the full, free, and unquestioned liberty of discharging every part of their sacred functions without violence or danger. That's the freedom there to give. So that's the call, you could say, or the duty or a fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah 49, but it's not always the case in Canada or in America. Uh, It's really troublesome, I think, that the um, Supreme Court has made a ruling uh, compromising marriage. And uh, so far there hasn't been any uh, serious trouble in various churches uh, but uh, you could see where some someone might want to try to cause trouble in the churches through this particular law. Um, what, I don't know if you heard this, but even way back, years back, uh, there was someone uh, in San Francisco, there was an, an Orthodox Presbyterian church that was firebombed because they, they fired an organist uh, because it had something to do with maybe him being a homosexual, or him or her being a homosexual—I think it was a man. Well, they, they fired that particular organist, and and then what happened was there was a rage among that homosexual community, and they firebombed that church. That was a serious problem, and and those kind of things, um, maybe instead of just happening by vandals, uh, someone who was felt like they were being unjustly fired because of their what they call sexual orientation, could go and say to the Supreme Court and say, well, uh, they're breaking the laws of the land because they have no right to fire me from serving in the church in this capacity. Um, A key reason that we don't want government to interfere with the church is because it can distort the gospel and it could distort the law of God, which leads a person to even see the need for the gospel in the first place. It can cause people to be comfortable in sin and unbelief. Let's just pretend. A pastor is fearful of transgressing the law of the land, and the law of the land says, don't preach on this sin, don't preach on this area of morality, teach this on marriage, but don't teach regarding this homosexuality issue. Well, that that would allow people to feel comfortable in, in, in those particular sins because they would not hear the matter preached on. Because someone is compromising preaching on the Word of God because of fear of what the consequences might be of the magistrate and leaving people um, to remain in their sin. We don't want to preach against particular sins of others because we hate people. We want people to repent of sin, to believe on Christ, and to be saved. And God can save people of every sort of ill and sin whatsoever if they repent and believe upon the Lord Jesus. But we have to be able to call sin, sin, and we have to be able to to say what the Scripture says. Again, if fear keeps a minister from preaching on particular sins... Some people might not repent and believe under sort of, that sort of preaching. I want us to turn to Ezekiel 3. Ezekiel 3. This is a concerning uh, the charge of the minister, and this is why we can't have someone dictating what should or should not be preached from the, from the Word of God, concerning sin. Um, Ezekiel 3, starting at verse 17, we'll read 17 and 18. God says to Ezekiel, Son of man, I have appointed you as a watchman to the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, warn them from me. When I say to the wicked, you will surely die, and you do not warn him or speak out to warn the wicked from his wicked way that he may live, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. That is a serious warning for a gospel minister. Um. The scripture talks about being judged by a higher standard. And for someone to be called to the gospel ministry and not to preach what God's message is by allowing someone in authority outside the church dictate what you should or should not preach is a serious problem. It would be a serious sin on the part of the minister. We pray that God would not allow that to happen where we would have others from the outside influencing what could or could not be preached from this pulpit that as it says here that God would give us free full unquestioned liberty in discharging every part of our sacred functions in this church not just for the minister but for those who, have, who want to come to church that they could hear the unadulterated word that it would be freely preached and not compromised And let's pray for that endeavor. Let's seek the Lord's face. We thank you, O Father, for your holy word, and we do thank you that we have um, this doctrine put together um, by our church, this confession. And we pray that we would not be proud as King Uzziah, but, Lord, that we we would be humble before you. And we do pray that you would continue to give freedom to your church. Lord, give us rulers that preserve our freedom. And we pray that you would turn the tide on the thinking and the morality of our nation, that it it would not be the minority of people in our nation, but Lord, it would be the majority of people in our nation who hold to basic biblical truths about sin and morality. Oh Father, we pray that you would work in the hearts and minds of your people, and Lord, that you would bless those who preach, And for those, we pray, in other lands and other nations um, who are under persecution, we pray that you would help them to be faithful and bold, that they would be as watchmen on the wall, that they would not fear, but Lord, that they would teach and preach and testify what your word says, that they would warn others, that they would speak out against the wicked way, and that many would repent and believe and be saved. Lord, we pray for your gospel to go out in our land and Lord, that you would gather many into your church. We thank you for our blessed Lord Jesus Christ and that he loves sinners such as us and Lord, we pray that you would gather many more in to believe and repent and hold Jesus as both Lord and Savior. Lord, work mightily in our land and through your word and Holy Spirit for we ask these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Uh, Let's stand and sing our closing hymn, 377. Join all the glorious names. Let's stand and sing 377.